0: Realignment might not be done, but it is for the Big 12. This thing is over. The Pac-12 fades away, and the Big 12 wins again. This is Locked On Big 12. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Big 12. Drake Toll from ESPN Central Texas, along with J.D. Pacal of On3 Sports. Thank you for making Locked On, Baylor, or Big 12 your first listen every single day. Look, J.D., let's take it all the way back here. Before we get jumping all the way into this thing, bam! Bam! That is me and you in a press box three years ago (laughs) where we got, I'm going to call it our start at China Spring High School doing Friday nights in Texas together, my man. Uh, For those that don't know, JD and I hosted a radio show together for a long time. We're co-workers for a couple of years. And while your career has taken off, man, it's an honor for me to get to have you on this show to talk Big 12.
1: No, man, I appreciate you. I'm, I'm grateful that that was the only season that I was the color commentator because I think I held them back. I mean, you have two state title rings from that China Spring uh, operation and they've been able to do great things. So I'm glad that we dropped the dead weight. But no, man, glad to be on the show with you. I appreciate you having me. 100%. Thank you, J.D., and thank you all out there for making Locked On Big 12 your
0: first listen every single day. Number 22 on uh, on Apple Podcasts and Football Podcasts this week. Number 98 across all sports, right above Michael K. And you guys did that. Let's keep the show going. J.D., the Big 12, they, they're the winner in this thing, right? There, there's, not, there's more than one winner, but with the Pac-12 going away, yourself, somebody who grew up a Pac-12 fan – what, what is your just even general reaction to where college football as a whole is moving forward?
1: Yeah, I mean, growing up in Pac-12 country, like it was USC, it was Oregon, it was all those big brands. And like you said, Drake, like now that they have gone to greener pastures, I don't know what you're doing with the Pac-12. But I mean, I think as a whole, like you said, a lot of people can be winners. You just don't want to be that loser. Like in my mind, I kind of think of it like a game of musical chairs. And Texas and OU started the music a long time ago. They grabbed a chair really quick. USC and UCLA grabbed the next chairs. And then the music is starting to wind down. And there's a lot of schools like, oh, grab a chair, grab a chair. and so. Credit to the Big 12, man. They have a lot of schools that are going to still be able to have chairs that are going to keep them relevant. So I'm excited to watch what it is. A part of you feels weird with college football changing and a lot yeah. of the traditions, I think, that make this sport so great are going to be a little bit different, if not non-existent. So you hate that. That part of it sucks. But when we get to Saturday, when, when we get to see UCF and Baylor, when we get to see TCU and Houston, like that's going to be a lot of fun and I think it'll make for some great football.
0: You talk pac 12 and that conference really going away after over a hundred years. But I look back at the Southwest conference, 1995, Arkansas is poached by the sec Texas and Oklahoma and the sec kind of start the ball rolling here while people are pointing fingers at the big 10 and at the big 12. Does it feel like sitting there behind the scenes, pulling all of the, pushing all the buttons, calling all the shots is really the sec. Yeah.
1: And I mean, if, if you're the pac 12, like you have nobody to blame, but yourself, like if you look at how much money they've invested, I believe the last time I checked, they had put the least amount of money into you know their respective schools. So it's like, hey, show me it matters to you. And showing me it matters is putting you know money where it's supposed to go. So yeah. it's I mean, I hate to say it just means more for the SEC, but I mean, we've seen what they've done on the field and we've seen how much they put into their respective football programs. And then they've, they've been able to reap the benefits. You've got the the on three J.D.,
0: right? Then there's the J.D. who grew up a USC fan and was going to those games on Saturdays. Um, I, I tell me, from a fan standpoint, are, is this ruining your fan experience? Right? You talk about Saturdays come around, and you forget about it a little bit. It's cool. But when USC plays Northwestern, does
1: it still feel all cool and dandy? Yeah, sure. I mean, going to USC games as a kid, like that was the main show in town. And I mean, how how does it feel? I I think it depends on what you're a fan of. Like if you're a fan of USC playing Oregon state, well, yeah, you you may not get that rivalry if you want to call it that. You may not get that matchup year in and year out, but if you're a fan of just seeing USC football do great things, like I know a lot of people obviously are, the reason they went to the big 10 is they had a good price tag attached to them. They were going to bring to the table. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think there is probably a a weird part of it that sits with you of like, oh man, you're kind of closing one chapter and moving on to the next. But I mean, if you're a fan of Cal or if you're a fan of Stanford or Oregon State, like you probably have... uh, a, a, a lot of mixed emotions and questions yeah. for for what the future holds for you and where you're going to end up. So yeah, young JD that that went to USC games is is excited for where USC's headed, but also I'm sure a part of him is frustrated that he's not going to get USC Washington State and USC Oregon State. That I have a lot of family that went to Oregon State, and that yeah. that trash talk I'm sure uh, will severely die down between them and the good people in Southern California. Well, you have a pulse from
0: coast to coast on college football. So I want to start with where you just, where you just went with Oregon state, Washington state, and, and really the leftovers from the PAC 12. There's only four. What do they do?
1: What, what's the best option here? Is there a best option? I mean, the, the knee jerk reaction for me is like, okay, find other people who need a chair and kind of make your own group. Like yeah. whenever you were in class and if you ever found yourself in the situation, Dre, because I found myself in it a couple of times, <laughs> teacher says find partners. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, they have a group, they have a group, they have a group. And then at the end of the, you know, that like mad rush of 15 seconds, you kind of look around and you're like, you need a partner. Yeah. You need a partner. Okay. Let's, let's salvage. We can salvage. And you kind of go from there. So that's one option. The other thing that I think kind of gets thrown out a lot is like what G five conference would take an Oregon state or, or, or take a Cal or whoever. Yeah. And that, that's another piece that's interesting to look at, but I really would just be fascinated if we had Stanford and then we had maybe some of the academies jump in the boat with, with, you know, some of the other leftovers in the PAC 12. I don't know there, there's something salvageable there, but you know, the G five route, I guess probably makes a little bit more sense.
0: JD, let's go to the opposite coast. The ACC, Florida State is looked at pulling out of the grant of rights. It seems as though there was fraud committed when they signed on to it. There was no no stipulation for inflation. There's so many holes that will allow Florida State out of the ACC if that's the direction of the school. Where do you see that institution going and who follows?
1: I think to answer the second part of that question, I do not see a world where Florida State leaves and Clemson stays. Like I just, yeah, I just think those are the two breadwinners. They bring the most pie to the table, and they're taking home the smallest slice. Like if they leave, they leave together. For Florida State, I think Florida State fans would jump at the chance of going to the SEC. I think that'd be something exciting to them. But I mean, if, if the Big Ten invites you, that's where a lot of the money is. So SEC makes some sense. That's probably the next school that you would imagine is like as much as greg sankey says they're not looking to add schools i think if those two became available and they could work something out for the right price point like they'd be excited to add them um but no i mean like we talked about just a second ago what you mentioned with all the the holes they would have to jump through and everything they would have to figure out like i will not believe these reports where it's buzz about a school Potentially leave in or potentially stay in like we've heard so much potentially reports until something actually gets solidified and documents are signed, then I'll believe that maybe there's, you know, a a chance that Florida State stays in the ACC. But no, to, to what you said, Drake, I do not see a situation where Florida State and Clemson stay in the ACC long term, just too much money.
0: You mentioned the SEC, and before we move on and really hone in on the Big 12 and and these new teams added in, the SEC, is the future 20? Is it 25? Are we headed toward the SEC just completely creating a monopoly in college football?
1: I think greed is a powerful thing. And I think we've seen, we've seen that the last couple of years with the Big Ten going to be at 18. And, and I mean, a lot of it, too, is self-preservation. Like, hey, the Big Ten's at 18. If you're the SEC and you want to be the top dog in college football, well, what do you do? You stay at 16? No, you go and add two more teams. And the Big Ten says, well, we'll, we'll one-up you. So I think we're just moving toward this situation where everyone just keeps one-upping each other until we have just these mega conferences. And we've already seen a version of that. So I, I think 20 sounds like a... A pretty round number. But I mean, Drake, the Big 10 has more teams than the AFC and the NFC when we get to 2024. Like we are totally moving towards a professional model. And I think everybody sees that. Absolutely. And the Big 12 is not too far off at
0: 16. And there have been conversations of, Do you add in an NC State if the ACC implodes? Do you bring this thing to three conferences? That's where I want to go next. The new teams in the Big 12 and even newer teams that could be on the horizon here on Locked On Big 12, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. eBay Motors. I, I've been telling you guys that I've had a clunker, right? I've been sitting over in Alaska with a clunker with an Impala and I'm back home. I'm back in Arkansas. The first thing my dad says when I get off the plane is he says, hey, yeah, your car's making a weird noise. I have been two, two months. I've been gone. Two months. This thing could have been fixed, but instead it sat right there. So I get in it and sure enough, it's making a really weird noise. What do I do? I go to ebaymotors.com. <laughs> do you, you can't. I can't explain to you how easy this thing is. You talk about needing the right parts for a football team to win. Talk about the right parts for a car to win. I've had two, two cars that have broken in the last year, but this one fixed. If you go to eBay Motors right now, you tell them what you have. I said 2016 Nissan Maxima. I told them Arkansas license plate just so they knew. First time around, they gave me the right parts to fix it. Something about a conveyor belt or something. And I don't know. There was oil involved and I, I put it in and took one out and bam no more weird noise. You shop at eBay Motors right now, 122 million parts. I can't even count that high. And it's easy to bring home a win when the parts are guaranteed. eBay's guaranteed fit is only available to US customers. Eligible items only and exclusions do apply. That is ebaymotors.com. Proud sponsor of Locked On. Go to ebaymotors.com today. JD back for more of the blonde boys power half hour. Ah, dubbed the old up tempo days. Uh, the, the new bloods in the Big 12, there are eight new teams. If you've got a city council, you don't want 50% of your council brand new. If you've got a school board, it's the same thing. If you've got any, anything, if you got voters, if eight of them are brand new, things can get real weird real fast. And now you have some power programs like BYU. You've got a UCF with a claimed national championship who has the best recruiting class in 2024 in the Big 12. Are these eight teams? Your Arizona, your Colorado, you throw in there too, in a position to overtake that hateful
1: eight that's left behind. I think it's a fascinating situation, and I don't know that we get one answer. You know, going forward, just every single year, like I think there'll be yeah. runs where Utah's probably atop the Big Twelve, and UCF with their position in recruiting, like they're going to be able to draw a lot of the top talent. We're seeing them do it right now, so overthrow is maybe not the word I would use, but I think they mesh well. Like I think with adding these eight teams, a lot of it in my mind is about keeping pace with the sec and with the big 10 i I'm not necessarily overtaking them or being, you know, the top conference in the country, but it's about relevancy. Like no one, if I go to the big 12 and I'm a recruit, I'm going to have a chance to go play on ESPN, go play on Fox. And not have to worry about playing on Apple TV plus or whatever other like off-brand kind of streaming platform we're gonna be working with it we you know with my college football game. So I think it's about relevancy, which is why you added these teams. And I think both Utah, BYU, I mean UCF, we go down the list here, a lot of teams that I think are going to provide a really good product when it comes to that Saturday afternoon.
0: I, I I'm gonna pivot a bit because where you just where you just went is something that I pondered on a lot. I don't ever hear from high school recruits, I'm going to play in the Big Ten or the Big 12 or the ACC." But you always hear, I'm going to play in the SEC. Does conference affiliation only truly matter for these kids? I know ESPN and TV certainly matters, but does conference affiliation
1: only matter in the SEC? You know, I think so much is made of the SEC brand. And I don't say that in a derogatory way. I just I just think they have done a really great job making sure that people know that they are the top conference, that they've had this many international champions. They've had this many draft picks and they have a really rich history and all those things. And so I think there's a certain amount of pride in the Southeastern region of the United States, with their high school football and the culture that goes into it i mean same thing in the state of texas and i think that's another conversation in itself but i think the way they've branded it to hey you come to the sec you can have a really good chance to go play in the nfl i think i think that's really what it's what it's about in my mind like ohio state has that same developmental piece of it michigan has the same developmental piece of it but they've done a great job making it No, no no the brand of the sec you come play against the best You'll have a chance to go pro. And I think that's what a lot of these kids look at, Drake, when they do have a chance to go pick a college. Like, where can I go to get developed and have a chance to go play pro?
0: With that, the SEC, here's your chance to play with the best. The Big 12 can't say that. The Big 10 can't say that because the SEC has it. They own it and they, they wear it well. If you're the Big 12, then what is your new brand? What do you preach to recruits? What do you preach to media outlets when you bring
1: in these new eight teams and have 16 strong? I think the story is kind of unwritten, which is kind of the exciting part about it. Like there is no set, you know, story that the big 12 has, has to walk through now. Like Kenny Dillingham, I heard him on a podcast not too long ago and he's the head coach for Arizona state. Mm -hmm. And they were talking to him like, Hey, why'd you take the head job at ASU Why Arizona state? Why was that right for you? And he's like, Why not Arizona state? And it's kind of a microcosm. I think of, of where the big 12 is at right now. Like what is holding the big 12 back from going competing for national titles, especially with the, the conference, uh, excuse me, with the college football playoff expansion, rather like they're Mm going to be in the dance every single year. They're going to have an automatic bid. And Kenny Dillingham, his argument was like, if we stack four top recruiting classes at Arizona state, we're going to have a chance to go compete for national titles. And it's, it sounds funny when you say it out loud, but I think it's absolutely true. Like those Georgias, those Bama's, Ohio State's, they're so good because they've stacked it on the recruiting trail. And so for the Big 12, if you have a couple of schools, I think, get out in front of this and find a way to have some national prominence, that's going to just bolster the brand. And I think it'll give us momentum. Let me I, I don't,
0: let's back up a little bit here. Don't blow hot air up my bird dogs right now. Are you saying the big 12 has a shot at winning national championships in college football in even the next decade?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's extremely possible. I mean, heck, you look at Texas this coming season in a smaller playoff, and I know they're not going to be in the Big 12 long term, but, like, there is nothing holding the Big 12 back from taking a shot at it, which I think is kind of one of the things we talked about with college football playoff expansion. Like, you want to get in the dance? Okay, great. When you get there, like, we can't help you. When we get yeah. there, we put you on the field against Georgia. Like, you got to hold up your end of the bargain. But to be on the field is all you should ask for. I mean, TCU, we saw them this past season. They were 5-7 and seven in 2021. Did a bunch with the transfer portal, got the right head coach in there, made a run. I mean, they got drug in the national title game, but even so, like wow. they were all in the field. And so my big thing, if I'm a Big 12 fan, get us in the door get us on the field, give us a chance. And then if we can't do it in four quarters, like that's on us. All we need is to get in the door. And so there's nothing that's, you know, sort of blocking that door for them in my mind. And especially with the playoff expansion, that's going to make it even more possible. So I think it's possible. Um, is it an uphill battle? Absolutely. But I think there is no reason there is, there is no physical force keeping the big 12 from getting that done. Before we move on
0: to the three biggest issues facing the Big 12 right now, J.D., when you you look at this conference from a football standpoint, you and I were in town when Baylor men's basketball won a national championship, and now two years removed from that, it does nothing for expansion. Football pushes the needle. The ACC has three brands in Miami, Florida State, and Clemson that are much bigger than anything the Big 12 has with these 16 teams. Is this conference, though, with the way that Florida state is acted, trying to pull apart from the ACC, does it feel like the big 12 is in a good spot to make this thing a power three?
1: I think they are. I think they are. Like you said, that domino with Clemson and Florida State is an enormous one. I mean, Drake, I don't know in what world this happens, but imagine if the Big 12 were to land a Florida State and Clemson, like somehow, some way Brett Yormark gets in his bag and finds a way to get it done. Like we talk about the Big 12 in a completely different light. And and right now, like the Pac-12 is kind of an afterthought. The ACC is a big question mark. Like the conference we're talking about being in a somewhat powerful position are the big 10, the sec and then the big 12 keeping pace. Like just even from sheer quantity, having 16 teams in your conference that are all from the power five level and having the reach now to the West coast. Like I really, they're they're doing a great job just keeping pace. Are they far out ahead of the sec and the big 10? Not necessarily. Are they, are they, you know, right, right there with them. I don't know about that, but they're definitely in the race.
0: Yeah. JD look, not everything is rosy here at Locked On Big 12, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Three glaring issues. This is our Bear Games question, our last 10 minutes here. Your, your three issues, when you think of the Big 12, that, that this conference of Brett Yormark are facing, what comes to mind?
1: You know, I, I personally just look to what's going on on the field. Like, how, how do we... Yeah get ourselves to a place of winning consistently and Utah I think is going to help that. We'll see what they look like after cam rising leaves and all that. But I think the question marks I have are some of those products that you added, are in a little bit of a down spot right now, like Arizona state got to get up off the mat, Colorado. Wow. You feel good about coach prime got to get up off the mat. So what you added, they weren't necessarily super strong pieces, but from a brand perspective, and I get that pays the bills. If those guys can get up off the mat, then maybe that brand gets stronger and you have more powerful pieces. So that's the first part. Some of these pieces need a little bit more strength in my humble yeah. opinion. Um, and I kind of, kind of go hand in hand with that. What they're going to do on the recruiting trail, I just I wonder a little bit about how these teams fare in recruiting battles because you have you know Texas and Texas A and M the SEC like those are probably like the biggest brands in Texas even with what TCU and Baylor have done in the last couple of years I worry about them in those recruiting battles. Um, also, there's there's no school. In the state of California, they got right now, like the the Big Ten has now stretched into Los Angeles. And I wonder how that's going to hurt them when it comes to West Coast recruiting. So I think positioning with recruiting is probably my my next question when it comes to what they're going to be long term. I mean, the third one, Drake, I'm honestly I kind of go back and forth on what this really is going to be for them long term. But I'm, I'm just curious to see what schools that now have. And maybe this is kind of the opportunity in in some sense, but like when it comes to where they are in the state of Texas, they've got three schools or excuse me now, four schools, Houston, TCU, Baylor, Texas tech, I wonder if they're not going to cannibalize each other just a little bit. Like I, I would much rather just have to fight at one school for my recruits, as opposed to having to go back and forth with those four schools. And maybe we're going for a four star and, and, and you know, one school gets them like, I'm just, I'm curious if that doesn't maybe dilute the town a little bit in state. And so, I mean, we'll see if these end up being long-term issues or if they are things that, you know, they're able to sort of fix over the course of time and who knows what the next realignment domino is, but uh, that's probably where I look right now, Drake.
0: Whether it's a hateful eight member or one of the new eights, somebody has to step up and rise to the occasion with those three issues. They, they've got to ace them and win this league. There will be a cream of the crop. Every conference has a team that establishes itself as the A1 for at least a period of time. When you see these 16 teams and you take a Baylor who's got a recent Sugar Bowl win in Dave Aranda, a yeah. Joey McGuire who you played for at Texas Tech, Kalani Sataki at BYU who has had great success there, and UCF with Gus Malzahn who leads the conference in recruiting – who Who is primed to be the stud? And speaking of primed, Colorado, who is primed to be
1: the stud in this league? I like what you did there, man. I just, I believe so much in Joey McGuire. I mean, I really yeah. think that he has that operation just ahead of schedule. I mean, the way they recruit, the way that they scout, even like they have a whole personnel department in-house that takes a look at you know their potential recruits before the, the position coaches even get a chance at them. So I think the way that he's doing things is exactly the way that you need to do it at a place like Texas Tech. And I'm very, very curious to see what they do long term. I think Zach Kitley, as long as they can keep him in Lubbock, Texas, is a head coach in the making. So if he can be their OC for a couple more years, they're going to win some Big 12 titles. I really, really believe in Texas Tech.
0: Three quick hitters. You've got a team that just lost a national championship in TCU. The Baylor Bears, you talk about Dave Aranda, a team that looked like it was building up to be the king of the conference and floundered last season. And then Prime at Colorado, who we haven't touched on a ton. Give me TCU first, coming off a national championship run where they got right on the doorstep. You talk about those three issues. How do they attack those? What's the future of the Horn Frogs program?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's all about how you bounce back right now, having lost 70% of your production last year. Um, When when I look at the recruiting trail, like that's really where where I focus. I mean, that's quite frankly where I focus for all these schools. But I think that's what I look at. Was last year just a good story? Then you go back to being mediocrity and winning five football games. Or is it, okay, no, this is the new Sonny Dykes era at TCU. You know, what does that look like going forward? So I think having success in year one to show continuity and show some promise for recruits is huge. The Baylor Bears, Dave
0: Aranda, Sugar Bowl victory, Big 12 championship, then six and seven in the Armed Forces Bowl. What's the future in Waco?
1: I think they got to find a way to, I mean, kind of similar to TCU. I love what they did in the portal. I'm really curious to see what Blake Shapin looks like if they were to put some more weapons around him. Cause I'll say this, like I, I wholeheartedly believe in Dave Aranda. I mean, he had the the tough COVID year and they had the sugar bowl year and then last year kind of dropped back down. But I mean, I just believe so much in his philosophy and he's an elite evaluator. Like I think they're going to be in good shape, but I think it's a matter of him growing as a head coach. And I think he's admitted that as well, like kind of figuring out, okay, do I need to be hard on this player? Do I need to get this guy out of our locker room or is a situation where I got to take my time and, and be, a little bit more patient to see some fruit. So as he matures as a head coach and as he develops and gets better and better because he will not stay stagnant, I think it really is a matter of time for Baylor. Deion Sanders, Colorado, go. Man, I think it's kind of the same thing. Like, what is he going to be as a head coach? And it's one thing to be at at Jackson State at the FCS level, and that's great. But to now do it at the Power Five level, I'm just so fascinated by what they look like in year one. And And I don't want to necessarily judge them by year one but I want to see, you know, how are they organizationally? How is that locker room when we get to November? Because he put a bunch of new dudes together. So utilizing the portal going forward for Coach Prime, I'm curious if that is a way that he makes his paycheck or if that's a way that they just get paid. Are they going overhauling the roster every single year if they have a bad year or is it a situation where they want to build through the high school level? We want to slowly but surely get this thing, you know, solid at, at the ground level and then we'll take transfer where we need to.
0: JD, for right here, oh, Friday nights in China, Spring America, watching Emmanuel Avdala carry the rock to Hosting a show together every day and watching documentaries and being neighbors. We were neighbors at one point. Uh, man, what a run it's been. And to see your meteoric rise uh, has just been special. And to get to do this show today for me is awesome. I To, to know you is a blessing to me and to have you on today was unbelievable.
1: Man, well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. I'm fired up to watch this show continue to blow up. And congratulations on all your success, man. If you haven't yet, y'all, subscribe to this channel, download the podcast, all that. Drake is bringing the heat every single week. Drake, I appreciate you, man.
0: Oh, yeah. JD's got videos every day on On3. is live every week as well. Make sure to follow him on Twitter. 20,000. I saw you're on the doorstep of (laughs) 20,000. You're right there. Get him to it. Uh, Thanks for making Locked On Big 12 your first listen every single day. Come back on Monday. We've got a loaded guest list next week that I'll release, as well as the power rankings and the top 25. All of that right here at Locked On Big 12, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This has been and always will be Locked On Thanks for making it your first listen every single day. Big 12.